Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 3 of Roehampton Lawcast. My name's Mahreen and today I'm joined with Amy and we're going to be talking about Back to Basics, explaining a little bit about solicitors and barristers. With your law degree there are a lot of careers that you can go into um, but if you wanted to go into the legal sector generally that is split into solicitor or barrister. So when people say they're a lawyer it needs to be a bit more specific than that. It's a solicitor or a barrister, it could be a paralegal or a legal executive, um, but we'll go a bit into that later on. Even if you don't have a law degree, it's also possible to qualify as a solicitor or a barrister. You just have to take what is called the GDL, the Graduate Diploma in Law, to convert. It's a one-year course um, and eventually will actually be phased out with the implementation of the SQE, but also more on that later on. The main difference between a barrister and a solicitor is that solicitors instruct barristers on what, how to act in court. Um, put very simply, barristers tend to be practising as advocates representing clients, whereas solicitors tend to perform the majority of the legal work in a law firm or an office. A solicitor's advocate, on the other hand, is a solicitor who's taken an extra qualification and now has the same higher rights of audience as a barrister. So you want to become a solicitor, you want to work with clients, prepare their cases and solve their problems. So how do you do that? It actually starts in your first year with first year schemes and insight days that are specifically geared at first year students. You go into the law firm, meet them, they get to meet you, you get better insight into what they do, what you want to do, what sort of training contract you're looking at. Then in your penultimate year of study, which is usually your second year on a law degree, you can apply for a vacation scheme. These are usually paid internships at the law firm. They happen in winter, spring and summer, depending on the firm that you're applying to, and they can really vary in length from a week to sometimes their full. To apply for a vacation scheme, usually it's an online application where you answer some competency-based questions as well as some commercial awareness-based questions in essay-style answers. And then most of the time there is a Watson Glazer or a situational judgment test to set the benchmark to see if that firm will even look at your application. Once you've passed that, you may well go to an assessment centre in the firm, which is basically a full day interview. After that, you'll be offered a place on the vacation scheme. Most firms use their vacation schemes as longer periods of time to sort of get to know you and see if they want to offer you a training contract. When offered a training contract, that means that you work in the firm for two years and usually you rotate around four seats. Some places are six, but usually it is a four-seat training contract. You get to experience different departments and then at the end of your training contract, you ultimately decide where you want to qualify into, what department, for example, you could be an employment lawyer or a competition lawyer or a disputes lawyer. Um, that's where you get to decide that. You can apply for a training contract directly, but it is becoming increasingly popular for firms to use their vacation scheme solely to recruit their trainees so that they can get a better idea for you, better rapport with their trainees um, overall. Before you start your training contract, at the moment you must complete the LPC, which is a legal practice course. It is one year of all of the skills that you're going to need before you start your training contract. Most of the time, big firms will sponsor you for that LPC, so they will pay the fees. If you do the LPC without securing a training contract, that's absolutely fine. You'll just have to pay for it yourself before going on to then try and see if you can get the training contract afterwards. 
If you don't manage to secure a training contract before you graduate or you don't want to go on to do the LPC self-funded, a lot of students do go into paralegal or legal support roles supporting the solicitors, the fee earners in the firm. You might be doing admin tasks or meeting with clients or taking minutes, that sort of thing. You don't always need the LPC to be a paralegal, but some firms do require it as a benchmark qualification. But actually, as of the 1st of September 2021, there is a new way of qualifying called the SQE or the Solicitors Qualifying Examination. Basically, that eradicates the need for a training contract and is attempting to reduce the bottleneck of students trying to get into a training contract. As we know, it's incredibly competitive and there are a lot of knockbacks before you become successful. Law firms are sometimes categorised, so there is this magic circle made of five firms, that is Allen & Overy, Freshfields, Slaughter & May, Clifford Chance and Linklaters. They are the ones you'll hear about with the massive trainee intakes, usually really big trainee salaries and newly qualified salaries. And then below that, in terms of sort of work, size, capacity, is the silver circle which is Travis Smith, McFarlane's, Herbert Smith Freehills, Ashurst and BCLP. However, training contracts aren't only available at these big city firms, they're also available at regional and national firms, as well as the big four, which are accounting firms that have now um, progressed into the legal sector as they've got the capacity to practice law. The big four consists of Deloitte, EY, KPMG and PwC. You can Google them, look into them a bit more if you're interested in working in there. There's also legal teams in-house which means in big companies they will have legal departments for example sky will have a legal department amazon has a legal department asos any big company you can think of they will have a legal department in-house they may sometimes use firms but there will be people there all the time that work in legal training contracts are different at every firm, they are different at every level of firm, so it really is horses for courses. Not everybody is suited to the magic circle, to city work. If you want to be a family lawyer, for example, you wouldn't apply to Allen and Overy because frankly they don't do family law and that would be a bit silly. So you really need to research the firm, research what you want to do and focus in on your applications. There is no point in shooting out five applications to the magic circle when really you don't want to work in big corporate and commercial law. So you want to become a barrister. You, to become a barrister, you have to complete either a qualifying law degree with a minimum 2-2, but preferably you want a 2-1 or a first, or you can have a non-law degree and can do the GDL, which is a con law conversion course. It's a one-year law conversion course that will allow you to then go on to practice the BPTC. Um, the first steps in becoming a barrister in your first and second year are applying and completing mini pupillages. What is a mini pupillage? Good question. Um, a mini pupillage is a short experience, short work experience placement that involves shadowing a barrister and the option of maybe attending hearings in court. The length of a mini pupillage can vary from one day to two weeks, but typically they run for three to four days. A mini pupillage is a great um, experience and it'll give you a vital insight into what the barrister profession is. You get a feel for the worth ethic, the culture, the ethos of a particular chamber. But it'll also give you the opportunity to leave a positive impression on the chambers, which if you want to apply for a pupillage is definitely a good point. Mini pupillages also 
are so helpful in whether in determining whether career at the bar is for you because they let you gain insight into specific practice areas of a barrister, for example, criminal or commercial practice, and then broadening your network to make vital contacts with experienced barristers. What can you expect from a new pupilage? Usually you'd be attending conferences, meetings with clients and solicitors, observing barristers in court, carrying out legal research, drafting documents such as emails and letters, um, and attending the Chamber's social events. Who can apply for a mini-pupilage? Well, you, like I said, you can apply in your first year, your second year, your third year, you can apply during your BPTC, um, you can even apply after graduating. Eligibility criteria is different from chamber to chamber, so make sure you look at their website before you apply. Where should you apply? You should definitely apply where you feel like you want to practice in that particular area of law. So chambers have specific legal practice areas. Make sure you research that before making an application for a mini pupillage. And what does a mini pupillage application involve? Usually they're very basic. You'll have a CV, a covering letter, or perhaps an application form. Um, you'll just have to explain why you want to undertake a mini pupillage, why you've chosen the specific chambers, and what aspects of a barrister appeal to you. Now, once you've done mini pupillages and throughout your, throughout your first and second years or even your third year of your law degree and you've graduated, you have to go on to the vocational component of the barrister training. So the vocational course, the BPTC, is also known as many different names. So the bar vocational course, or known as the BPTC, the bar professional training course, is what you have to do after you graduate. The step-by-step -step application guide is available on many different websites, but I've compiled a little one for you so you know exactly what to do um, to apply. First, you have to research your different providers, so the University of Law or BPP or City University, um, and apply through your preferred institutions. Then you have to apply for a membership with the Inns of Court. These memberships have to be applied for 12 weeks in advance before you're going to begin your BPTC. So make sure you prepare early for those and also apply for any relevant scholarships. You can only apply for one scholarship per in per year. So make sure you're picking the right one for you. Then you have to sit the bar course aptitude test during the summer preceding the starting of the course. After sitting your BCAT, you'll commence your BPTC studies that September. After finishing your BPTC, you'll usually apply for pupillages. Now, your mini pupillage is essentially equivalent to a VAC scheme. So your pupillage is equivalent to a training contract. Um, there are certain requirements to certain pupillages, but to gain a pupillage, you'll have to have lots of experience. Work experience such as mini pupillages, pro bono work and advocacy experience are really vital to a pupillage application. After completing your BPTC, you want to apply for your pupillage. Now, your mini pupillages that you've been doing throughout your law school or your BPTC journey are almost the same as a VAC scheme and your pupillage can be seen as similar to a training contract. Before you apply for your pupillage, you'd want to have a lot of work experience. You would want to have many pupillages, pro bono work, and advocacy experience, which can be in the form of mooting. 
then you'd have to choose the barrister's chambers. Like law firms, barrister's chambers specialise in areas of law. So most chambers operate in commercial law, common law and criminal law. Commercial law covers insurance, insolvency, company and media, common property law relating to personal injury and negligence. Many chambers list three or four specialisms, but only some chambers specialise in one. So preparation is key. So finalising your pupillage application means looking at chambers' websites to make sure you have personalised your application to their pupillage. You also want to look at pupillage gateway, which compiles all the pupillages by their deadlines, so to make it easier for you to know when to apply. And also you want to apply in January for the commencing of a pupillage in September next year. So Maureen, if I want to be a barrister, I need to develop my advocacy skills before I get to my pupillage application. But how do I do that when I'm at university? That's a great question. You'd start off with joining your muting team, which we have at Roehampton Law Society. Just get in contact with our muting officer, who will link in the description and drop us an email. So is it only important to develop my advocacy skills if I really think I want to be a barrister? Absolutely not. Advocacy is a transferable skill. It can be applied to any legal practice. So Amy, how do I know if I want to be a barrister or a solicitor? I think experience is the best way to decide which route you want to go down. There is no such thing as bad experience. So if you, even if you didn't really like the area of law that you did some work experience in, that's fine. It's best to know what you don't like and rule it out than get stuck in a training contract or a pupillage and then decide, oh, I don't actually enjoy this. In terms of deciding solicitor or barrister, I think it's important to, to really think about what you're good at, where you thrive. So barristers are self-employed. Is that something that, that you think is good for you? Do you think that um, standing up and speaking in front of people, that's where you really want to go? Or are you better suited to client contact in meetings and problem solving and more casework, which is what a solicitor would generally carry out? Or if you want sort of the best of both worlds, you could become a solicitor advocate, but obviously that is required for you to be a solicitor before you qualify. Continue my research from here. There's a lot of great resources online. For example, Legal Cheek has really good firm profiles. So for law firms, you can look at an overview of what they do, what sort of work they do. And then if you scroll down, you can actually see what the trainees say. So that's good to get a bit of an idea of the culture, um, the salary, the A-level requirements, the um, chances of secondment, that sort of thing. They also do have the same thing for Chambers, so you can get a bit of an insight there as well. There's also Chambers Student, which has a lot of information on how to become a barrister, the route that you have to take, tips and tricks on how to get there, information on Chambers, everything you need to know can all be found online. So before you put in any applications, be that firms, VAC schemes, pupillages, chambers, whatever, make sure you do your research. I really cannot stress that enough. Spending time writing an application that isn't researched and isn't specific to the place you're applying to is just a big waste of your time. This has actually been part one of our Back to Basics podcast. Part two will be next week. We'll be joined with Reshma, who some of you might know. She is a lecturer here at the law school. She has the unique experience of being both a barrister and a solicitor. So she will be telling us about that next week.
Thanks for joining us. And if you want any more information, head to our website, our Instagram, or our LinkedIn page. Thank you for listening. And we hope you tune in again very soon.